2: Welcome to the Golf Fitness Bomb Squad podcast with Chris Finn, a production of P4S Golf. Welcome to the Golf Fitness Bomb Squad. My name is Chris Finn. I'm your host. And today's quickie that I wanted to get out there is about strength training. Um, So if you guys listened to the latest episode that we did with Chuck Cook uh, earlier this week, you heard about kind of the genesis of golf fitness back in the 80s so if you didn't definitely go back to that uh episode 37 um and check that out because it's awesome <laughs> listening to the history just and obviously um being in the space and this is kind of where i've obviously made my career uh it was really cool hearing the how it all started in the early days and how much of what they thought then actually still applies and is correct today um and so i think one of my favorite analogies was when chuck talked about they thought about it as a pyramid and at the bottom of the pyramid there was anaerobic conditioning uh there was um mobility and or sorry anaerobic conditioning there was mobility and shoot i'm blanking on the third one that he had in there um conditioning, mobility. There was one other one that was in there, right? And that, those were the most important. And I think that's when we talk about what we see in the research, it 100% is if you don't have the rotary mobility, you know, I think that's where we've kind of then been able to build on what they did and say the specific mobility that matters is the, you know, rotation and external rotation in the shoulder, the internal rotation in the hips, the trunk rotation and the neck rotation, right? Those are the, the, the specific mobility areas that matter. But then, what layers on top of that is then you know do you then have the stability to control all of that mobility, right? So that's you know the what I would call the smaller exercises, the core strength, the um, you know if you think like rotator cuff work, you know just stability st- stability based exercises, right? That's kind of the next level. And then once you have you have the mobility, you're able to stabilize and control that mobility, then we start looking at strength, right? And that's what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, On top of strength, there's power. Right. And so those are the explosive, um, you know, jumping and, you know, plyometric type type activities. That's where a lot of the speed will come from. Uh, But you don't go there until you have the strength. And before you before the strength, you have the stability and for the stability, you have the mobility. Right. So strength. So there's really only four big exercises or movements that truly actually matter when it comes to moving the needle when it comes to club speed in the sport of golf. Right. Um The two of them obviously are, are lower body uh, And there's two that are upper body The interesting is three of those four Directly impact where we see um, On the power standpoint The causational level um, impact on club head speed Meaning if we get better We know on the from the power from our research If we get better in vertical thrust Or vertical peak power That will increase, increase club head speed Statistically causationally Or if we um, increase upper body push power, right? So those are the two that causationally from a statistical standpoint, increase club head speed. So no shocker that squat pattern work and hip hinge pattern work. So deadlifts and squats. Those are the two two of the four, literally half of the, half of the strength exercises that truly matter. Those are the ones where we want to see the numbers get up there where you can actually move weight relative to your body weight, right? So, uh, and the interesting thing that we see is that it's not necessarily the same as let's say football right where you want you don't you don't need a two times body weight deadlift um you don't need a 1.75 times squat you don't need that high of a number meaning if you weigh 200 pounds you don't need to deadlift 400 pounds right prior to 400 pounds there will be a diminished return on getting stronger Um, same thing with squatting right If, if you're you know 100 pounds you don't need to squat uh, 175 pounds, right? <laughs> you can probably closer to one and a half times. By the way, more like 150. Um, so if you're 200 pounds, 300 pounds is probably all you really need to get to from a squat perspective. Um, it'll there's nuances within those two um, that will um, be dictated by person personal differences, but generally speaking, you don't need as high strength levels as let's say a football player. But you do need to be strong. You do need to, I mean, certainly be able to at least do body weight with your lower body. Um, but if you wanted to optimize, number one, speed, and number two, your injury, you know, minimize your injury risk, right? So maximize speed, minimize injury risk. Those are two big strength areas that you need to get better. So you need to be able to squat and you need to be able to, to deadlift or hip hinge. Now, lots of different ways you can do that, right? You don't necessarily have to do a barbell back squat. You can do front squat you could do hex bar kind of a squat movement same thing with a deadlift you don't have to do a straight barbell you could do more of a hex bar hip hinge Um, you you could do hip thrusts on the ground like there's lots of different ways and modalities to go after it but i do want to make sure that people understand just doing single leg work isn't going to move the strength needle to a high enough level Um, there's too much of that layer below in the pyramid of stability required because of balance that it will limit how much strength focus there actually is. You're actually taking away, instead of it being totally strength-based focused, there is gonna be an element of stability focus that actually will minimize the strength return. So double leg squat, double leg hip hinge, being strong in those definitely are incredibly important from a strength-based standpoint. The other two exercises are upper body. So we're talking bench press and we're talking uh, a row or a pull exercise. Um, we're still actually trying to determine if it's more of a horizontal row, like you say, I think if you're doing like a seated roll or more of a lap pull roll, so more of a vertical pull. Um, we I have a good idea, but not definitive where I'm gonna say it here today. <laughs> um, but so I'll just say do both of those. Uh and then also upper body, you know, a push a uh, bench press, right? And so I think there's a big um demification of both deadlift and bench press of, oh, you're going to get hurt. You don't need to do that. You'll get too tight. Look, as long as you're also maintaining the bottom parts of those, of that pyramid, you're maintaining your mobility, you're maintaining your ability to provide stability, getting stronger is actually really, really, really good and actually helps you to maintain stability and mobility. Um, so, you know, and obviously bench press, you know, you don't want to come where your the front of your shoulder is anteriorly rotated. So, you know, far to the chest, if your back is flat on the, on the bench. Not necessary. Really, all you need to do is come back to kind of elbow flush, you know, 90 degree elbow generally. So the back of your arm, if you were on the floor, would hit the floor. Okay. Obviously, if you're in a, you know, doing a powerlifting competition, you're actually going to bend your archer back and get your chest up. And if you actually look where their elbows end up, it's kind of the same spot as if you were probably three or four inches off your chest with your back flat on the bench. So bench pressing, we're not going all the way down where our shoulders are getting you know, danger, danger zone in the front of the shoulder to cause shoulder injuries, but coming down that 90 degrees and then dropping, you know, and then exploding back up is incredibly important. It's going to help you improve your ability to provide strength through that upper quartile and, and eventually drive power uh, through the club and down, to, you know, increasing club head speed. So I just wanted to touch on this because I, I just getting literally just recorded, um, you know, with, with Chuck and it was so cool to hear him talk about this pyramid and how, it re- and how similar and, and paralleled um, what we do has built off of what, what he and his team had done and that you have to have that mobility. Once you have mobility, then you build the stability and then there's strength. So we hadn't really talked about if you're going to the gym, what strength stuff should you do to increase your max strength? Literally just focus on those four things. It's literally all you need to keep it simple um, you know, for 90 percent of you listening, probably 98 percent of you listening or watching. That's literally all you need. Um, So um, obviously you got to do your stability stuff and you got to do your mobility as well. And there should be power built on top of that. But if we're just talking strength, that's literally your strength program. Um, There's lots of other stuff that we would want to put in around that based on your needs, but just trying to simplify it for you. Um, Just uh, simple is sweet. So um, hopefully you found that helpful. Hopefully that debunked kind of how many different lifts and and how strong you need to be. Uh, You got to be strong, but you don't necessarily have to be as strong as a football player. Um, but you definitely have to be able to move it, you know, at the very least your body weight, if you want to optimize your club head speed and performance and minimize your injury risk, you know, you're definitely looking at least one and a half times body weight on the lower body, uh, for sure, you know, moving body weight, you know, on the, on the upper body. So hopefully that helped. And, uh, hopefully, uh, you found some value in that and we'll look forward to seeing you in the next episode.